Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is our 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everyone. Steve, for the month of May, Ohio Mysteries is being sponsored by WOW. That's the Wholesale Outlet Warehouse at 144 North Canton Road in Akron, selling name brand clothing, toys, furniture, and more usually at least 50% off retail prices. Now, WOW is doing something pretty creative right now for folks who don't want to leave home. Every Thursday at 6 p.m., owner Brian Early is doing an interactive live streaming sales event, just like those cable shopping network programs, but for the internet. Right now, they are mostly focused on women's health and beauty, including hair care and appliances, razors, cosmetics, ladies' apparel, Here's what you do. Thursday at 6 p.m., grab whatever device connects you to the internet. Go to jatango.com. That's J-A-T-A-N-G-O.com. Click on the wow window and start shopping. Now to tonight's 10-minute mystery. Tonight's story comes from Bell Center. That's a tiny village in Logan County, which is a couple of counties west of the middle of the state, close to Indian Lake State Park. There are just over 800 folks living there, a rural patch without a single stoplight, where most folks know each other and don't worry too much about serious crime. Still, back in 1986, they had a town marshal. It was a sort of part-time chief of police who worked in conjunction with the Logan County Sheriff's Office. The position was held by 64-year-old Murray Griffin, an amiable Five foot three inch man, often described as a plain old country boy. He will be the last town marshal Bell Center ever has. Murray was a father of eight. He had two sons and six daughters, and he devoted his life to serving his community. He was a 1940 graduate of Bell Center High School. He served in the Army during World War II then returned to Bell Center, where he'd spent the last 25 years as the street superintendent, which meant plowing snow, picking up trash, and patching potholes. The additional job as town marshal 
paid him the grand sum of $25 a week. He didn't care. His mortgage was only $90 a month, so he would quip that the extra duty paid for his house. And besides, somebody had to do it. It's fair to say, in a community the size of Bell Center, every soul knew the hardworking Murray Griffin. The job of town marshal wasn't always a convenient one. There were days Murray would finish his day job and return home, only to get a late-night call that required he put on his marshal's hat and head back out. Such a phone call came in about 11.20, the evening of July 5, 1986. Murray was supposed to be beginning his vacation. He'd only stayed in town that weekend because he was needed to lead the 4th of July parade and then direct traffic after the fireworks. I'm telling you, this was a man who wore many hats. But he was home, and he certainly wasn't going to ignore the ringing phone. On the other end was a man who told the marshal he had phoned his friend, Phyllis Mullet, who apparently had taken his call after stepping out of the shower, paused to investigate a noise she heard, then started screaming for help. The friend immediately called the sheriff's office to ask for help, then called Murray since he was so much closer. Murray would have known Phyllis, of course. She was a 37-year-old mother of two going through a divorce. People called her Tootie. A lifelong resident of the area, she lived in a two-story white frame house on West Main Street, just three blocks from Murray's own house. She worked as a local hairdresser and drove a pink car to celebrate her success as a saleswoman for Mary Kay Cosmetics. I remember those pink cars. Do you remember seeing those pink cars? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She also taught Sunday school. So Chief Murray, he got this phone. He hung up. He donned his boots, strapped on his gun belt. Very calmly, he told his wife, Harriet, he needed to check out something at the Mullet residence. He'd be back soon. Harriet wasn't all that concerned. She was used to the phone ringing at night. Her husband had responded to some of those calls wearing his slippers, for heaven's sake. But then the phone rang again. This time it was the Logan County Sheriff's Office. The sheriff told Harriet they wanted Murray to know they'd gotten the call about the disturbance at Phyllis Mullet's house, but that he should wait outside until they got back up to him. It was too late. Harriet Griffin told the sheriff's office had already left for the mullet house and it didn't take long to drive three blocks. It took the sheriff longer to get there, at least 10 more minutes. And when they arrived, they found the mullet home dark, very dark. The deputies approached the house and entered it. Murray's wife and children, meanwhile, they had a police radio in their kitchen and they listened tragically as events unfolded. They could hear someone saying an officer was down inside the mullet home. They heard the call for backup, search dogs, and a request for a forensic team from the Bureau of Criminal Investigation, the state's BCI. It didn't take long for Murray's family to learn his fate because as the experts were being called in, a deputy was sent back to Murray's house to inform the family that both Murray and the woman he went to protect were dead. 
Logan County Coroner Dr. C.T. Richardson would determine Phyllis had been raped, beaten, and stabbed repeatedly about the neck and chest. Her throat was slashed, and she was found lying in the first floor kitchen, her legs and arms bound. Murray was found on the second floor landing of the two-story home. He'd been shot in the stomach, shoulder, knee, and back by his own gun. Investigators theorized that Murray had entered the house, went upstairs where both Phyllis and her attacker were, and was overpowered. I told you he was only five foot three inches. They believe he was shot first. Then the killer dragged Phyllis downstairs and stabbed her to death in the kitchen. Since Phyllis was in the process of getting a divorce, not surprisingly, the first visit deputies made was to her estranged husband, Richard. He lived in an apartment by the lake, but he had a pretty good alibi. The couple's 12-year-old son, Chad, and 10-year-old daughter, Mandy, lived with Phyllis, but that night they were staying with their father. He said he was in bed in the room next to the one that contained his sleeping children. So if not the ex, then who? It would take a couple of weeks for investigators to get another suspect on their radar. It happened when they took a call from another Bell Center resident named Raymond Lowe. Lowe was an elderly man who suffered from a stroke several years ago and was confined to an upstairs bedroom in a home he shared with his 46-year-old son, Terry Lowe. Terry was gone and had left behind a suicide note. The Lowe's lived a block from Phyllis. Terry Lowe occasionally babysat for her. He was even a pallbearer at her funeral. Deputies went to the worried father's house. They found photos Terry Lowe had kept of Phyllis and her children and a long list of women who lived around Bell Center, a list that looked to them like a list of potential victims. The suicide note led them to Indian Lake, where they found Terry Lowe's car. It was locked, his keys, wallet, and clothes sitting on the front seat inside. Sheriff deputies and private divers would spend another three days searching the lake but without success. Then deputies got a call from the Greenville Police Department near the Ohio-Indiana border. Terry Lowe was there. He had used his father's credit card to check into the townhouse motel. Authorities collected Lowe and took him back to Ohio where they questioned him about faking his suicide and of course, about the murder of Phyllis Mullet and Murray Griffin. Terry denied having anything to do with that. Still, the prosecutor thought he had enough. In 1989, Terry Lowe was indicted for the murders. He was found in Nevada and arrested. What followed were five years of appeals and court battles. In the end, the Ohio Supreme Court tossed out key evidence that prosecutors wanted to use including the testimony of three girls, including Phyllis's own daughter, who said Lowe had behaved in a sexually inappropriate way, showed them X-rated videos, 
even put his hand down his pants in front of them. The court said that was a separate concern and not related to the charge of the murder and could not be used during a trial. And so Lowe was released and the case against him was sealed. That, of course, didn't mean the case was closed. As a matter of fact, in 2012, old evidence was tested with new DNA technology for the 26th anniversary of the murders. Logan County investigators said the results only strengthened their case against Terry Lowe, showing he was present at the residence and that his DNA was on the physical evidence used in the crimes. Terry Lowe was 72 at that time of the announcement, but authorities said double jeopardy applied, that because the charges against Lowe had been dismissed, they didn't see a way to bring it to trial again. So while authorities feel confident they always had their man, to date, no one has been found guilty in the murders of Phyllis Mullet and Murray Griffin. Murray and Phyllis were both buried at Fairview Cemetery, less than 50 feet apart from each other. A year after the murders, Bell Center dedicated the Murray Griffin Memorial Park to their fallen town marshal. And as I said, the last town marshal the village ever had. On the 20th anniversary of the killing in 2006, the town gathered at the park for a candlelight memorial to remember their marshal and the woman he died trying to protect. Just as a side note, I found a website called Teen Inc., where young people share their writings. And four years ago, a girl named Shay Daniels authored a piece about the grandmother she never knew, her grandmother, Phyllis Tootie Mullet. Here's the quote from her. I hear my grandma was as sweet, caring, and beautiful as mom says. I've seen pictures of her, and she is very pretty and beautiful. I go to her grave every now and then so I can talk to her because I feel like she is still with us. We take flowers to her every spring. My mom says grandma is still with us, as in her spirit. Do you believe in ghosts or your family spirits? Because I do. I feel like my grandma is still with us. When I have a bad day and I'm sitting in my room talking, I feel like she's sitting there next to me listening. That's our story for tonight, Steve. Yeah, it's, just, uh, it's frustrating. You know that it's probably the right person, but there's really nothing you can do. Yeah, it, it, you know, it was impressive that they were able to tie this to him with DNA after all those years. And usually, you know, quite often that can be the clincher, but apparently in this case, it wasn't enough. Um, at least not enough to overrule. It kind of surprised me when they said um, they had dismissed the case and couldn't bring it back to him because that was double jeopardy. I thought double jeopardy only applied if you went through the trial and was found innocent. So that part confused me and I, I can't clarify it for you. That's what stories about the situation said. So I'm going to have to trust that the prosecutor, you know, understands the law, you know, at that point. But that surprised me that they couldn't go back. Right. That's it for our midweek 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full-sized Ohio mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week, and may all of your mysteries have happy endings.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.